wonderful to be in the house of the Lord and have the freedom to worship. There's a lot of countries where they don't have that freedom. They say they have the freedom, but they don't have that kind of liberty like we have it. Amen. I am in the book of Romans, and uh, this is our last lesson for this book that we've been studying. This is lesson 21, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to conclude the book of Romans with this particular Bible study tonight, this morning. We'll be starting a new one next week. And uh, I want to just refer to a few things that we've already mentioned and maybe a few that we have not yet mentioned in the 15th chapter of Romans, and I'm going to go to 16. In the 15th chapter here, Paul talks about some things that he wants to remind the church of Rome to be very diligent about. And then he goes into the 16th chapter and talks, and he talks a lot about what's called salutations. That means, you know, salute so-and-so and so-and-so or greet so-and-so and so-and-so on my behalf. And we'll talk to you a little bit about <clears throat> those things, but uh, Paul was writing to the book of Romans, actually he had never been to uh, Rome, and he had never seen this church, but he knew many people there, because the people there had been established, or the, pe the, pers the, per the people who were leading, I don't say person, but because there's two of them, Aquila and Priscilla, and there was a man and wife together team that had worked with Paul throughout Greece, and then they had gone to Rome, and they had uh, found these saints, uh, you know, there's some, many people gotten saved and they sort of put them together and established a church. And they kept saying, Paul one day will visit you. So Paul wrote the letter of Rome before, the Romans, before he ever went to Rome and before he ever really saw the church, but he knew many of them there. And so much of what we read in Rome, in the book of Romans, uh, was written by Paul on his last missionary journey, so-called third. He had three missionary journeys when he went to Greece, Macedonia, what we call today Western Turkey, which is called Asia back then and so forth, and established many churches and great, had great revivals. They even spoke of Paul and one time Silas, another time Barnabas, and they said, these are they who have turned the world upside down. So wherever they went, the gospel was preached and the word of God went forth. And uh, along the way, Paul would write letters uh, to other churches, uh, maybe not in that area, but he would, and then he'd have them sent to wherever they were. And many of the letters, the epistles we have were letters written while he was still on that missionary field. Uh, later, Paul would be in prison, and when he was in prison, he wrote some of the epistles as well. The book of Romans was one that he wrote on his third missionary journey. And uh, I want to just uh, mention to you here a few things that we've already talked about. This is the 15th chapter of Romans, if you'll look at this very closely with us. And I'm going to read uh, oh, three verses, five down through seven. Now the God of patience, this is Paul talking to the Roman people now. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And he was saying here, be very kind, good to each other. And what he had just talked about and what we talked about last week was that Paul admonished the Roman people to love each other, care for each other, be mindful of each other. Uh, this is still the word of God for us today. We should always be mindful of others. And the older I get, the more I feel like that this is one, one of the things that we're going to have to be more diligent 
about in our in these latter days that we're living in these uh, the soon coming of the Lord that we'll have to be mindful of each other think of each other look after each other be concerned about each other and sometimes I'll think of somebody and I think oh my Lord I need to call them I need to call them just need to touch base with them and uh, you know <clears throat> I know the pastor's got his hands full and he's got people talking to him. He, he, does, he does the pastoral work in a marvelous way. But each of us also need to be in touch with people who, that we know that surround us and so forth. And Paul reminded the Roman church of that, verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Then in verse 6, that you may be one mind and one mouth Glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7, he says, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So he talked about how that we need to be this way toward one another. And this is one of the things that he sort of talked to them about in the 14th chapter and in the 15th chapter, that they be very kind to each other. Praise the Lord. Now, when he gets over in verse 15... Paul talks about himself and the reason that he takes the authority to instruct them the way he does. Paul was very authoritative. He wrote these epistles as though he said, this is the way it is. I want you to abide by this. And he is very, very upfront about it. And this is the reason. And uh, I'm going to read this to you if you look in 1550. Nevertheless, brethren... I have written them more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. And this is the grace of God given to Paul. And this is verse 16, that I should be the minister. Look at the word the. If you got your Bible, put a ring around the word the. He did not say a minister, but he says that I may be the minister of Christ, of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And what he was saying, this is my, this is my contribution or my gift to God. Just like people in the Old Testament would bring offerings and they would say, this is my offering, Lord. This is my gift of sacrifice to you. Paul was saying, my gift and my offering to God was these Gentiles that I've been trying to win to the Lord. And the reason was that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, he wrote most of the books in the New Testament, Paul did. <clears throat> and, uh, and just about every one of them, except maybe, I think, five altogether, if you include the book of Hebrews, which Hebrews, is, they're not sure whether he wrote the book of Hebrews or not. Nobody really knows who wrote Hebrews. They think Paul did. But if you include the book of Hebrews, four other of the others, and, and that would be the fifth one, those are the only five books of all the books in the New Testament that he wrote. Uh, they're the only ones that he does not say that he was an apostle. He, but he states he was an apostle. And uh, over in the book of Revelation, it talks about the 12 foundations of the holy city and upon them were the name of the 12 apostles. When Judas Iscariot failed God, the Lord raised up Paul to take his place. 
But Paul would be more than just an apostle in general. He would be specifically to the Gentiles. And when God called him, he called him and said, I'm going to uh, make you a vessel to the Gentiles. And when Ananias, he told Ananias, Ananias, I want you to go to the house, a house on the house called, on the street called Straight, and there's a man there, and I want you to pray for him. His name is Saul of Tarsus. He's, and Ananias said, Lord, this guy's bad news. This guy has, has really persecuted the church, and he's done it as if God didn't know all that, you know. So he tells God all that, how bad Paul is, and God says to Ananias, he says, I have called him, and I have chosen him to be a special vessel for me to the Gentiles. Now you go your way and do what I've told you to do. And he did, praise the Lord. He prayed for Paul. Paul received his sight back. He was blinded at that point. And then he received his sight back and then also was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say he spoke in tongues when he got the Holy Ghost there. But later on in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I just throw this out for free. It says, Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul was a tongue talker for you folks that don't believe that speaking in tongues is necessary to receive the Holy Ghost. All right. Is that okay? We're going to move on here. But Paul was an apostle, uh, and he was an apostle specifically to the Gentiles. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of verses to you here in other places because he talks about it in Romans 11. We're in 11, 15. If you look back in, uh, in the fourth chapter, 13th verse, one verse, 14, I mean, 11, 13, 11, 13 of Romans. He says, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Uh, and, and I magnify mine office. So he was telling them how that they should be mindful that God has not cast away Israel and the Jews and to appreciate Israel because God uh, used them as the olive branch and we're the wild olive branch that's been grafted in and so forth. Then he says over in the book of Galatians, if I can uh, also look at this verse of scripture, Galatians 2, 7, he says these verse words here when he wrote to the Galatians. But contrawise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, that's Gentiles, was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision, that's Jews, was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, that is Jews, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. In other words, he was saying, just as Peter was the, the apostle mainly to the, uh, to the Jews, I am to the Gentiles. Verse 9, and when James, Cephas, and John, Cephas is Peter, that's an, a Greek word for the word Peter. Verse 9, and when James, Cephas, Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, received the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision or they unto the Jews and so forth. And then in the 10th verse, I'll just throw this in for what it's worth. Only they would that we should remember the poor. And all of this was done, of course, if we were to read the 15th chapter of the book of, of Acts, it tells all about how all this was done and so forth. So what I'm simply doing here is showing you that Paul was an apostle. So all of these letters he wrote, he says, the apostle of the Lord. And the reason I say that is because there were men who tried to say Paul was not an apostle. I don't mean men in today, but I'm talking about those back in then. 
because they said he never traveled with the Lord. The 12 all walked with Jesus and they were with him for three and a half years and they heard his teachings. And that's why they were apostles. They had seen the Lord. Paul said, I've seen the Lord. In one place he said, I am an apostle. I have seen the Lord. The Lord appeared to me on the road to Damascus. Remember that, you know, the story of the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. He said, the Lord appeared unto me on the road to Damascus and spoke to me and so forth. So he said, I've seen the Lord. The Lord has given has gave him a lot of revelations, understanding that the Gentiles were to be equal inheritance to eternal life and to all the blessings and things that had been promised to Abraham. Paul understood that. And many of those Jews wanted those Gentiles to become, uh, they wanted them to abide by the law of the Old Testament. They do everything according to the law. And he said, no, 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 that's not required because they're saved by faith. That's why he talks so much about faith. They're saved by faith and not by the, the works of the law, keeping the law for this and that and so forth. And so uh, <clears throat> Paul establishes himself as the apostle and he reminds them of that here in the book of Romans. I'm going to move on here uh, because he talks to them about this 15th chapter here about him being an apostle. Now, I also want to uh, talk to you about Paul's desire to see them. He, uh, he's, he's wrapping up his writings now. And in the 15th chapter, in the 23rd verse, 1523, uh, Paul here begins to talk about his desire to see them. This is what he says. But now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. And then there's a semicolon, which means the sentence is not through and he's got more yet to say about it. But I'm stopping here for just a moment to say this. Paul was finishing up his missionary journeys in Greece and in Macedonia and in Western Turkey, in that area where he had established a barrage of churches. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Revelation, it's, a, it's written, you know, to the seven churches of Asia. It's not the Orient that it says Asia. It's talking about Western Turkey. And these were churches all that Paul established. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul established Ephesus. And from, from that, the others were established. But he established these key churches and places around through there. And Paul did a great work there. And that, and that whole area, the, the Corinth, and Corinth, the city of Corinth, uh, Philippi, the, the book of Philippians written, 1st, 2nd Corinthians to Corinth, on and on, Paul established these churches. And, uh, and of course they grew. And Paul, as an apostle to these Gentiles, him being a Jew himself, he loved these people. He loved these people. I mean, you can, you can feel that when you read the word of God. And he says, you know, he, he, he loved them. He was so concerned about them. And he thought about everything he wanted to try to tell them. When I was with you, I told you this and this and this. But I wanted to also tell you this. So he writes the letters. And, and he writes these letters to them. And so forth. But Paul loved these Gentiles. Because he knew that this was what God had given him to do. To go to these towns and places. And wherever he went, God would bless them. Uh, God would perform miracles. He would open doors. People would get saved and turn to the Lord. And, uh, and Paul knew that he was in the very center of God's will. Now, in this 23rd chapter here, he says, my time in working with all of these Greeks and these uh, 
Macedonians and so forth. Achaia is the word they use there. Uh, they working in this area. And he said, now I know that I want to come to you as well. And he said, I have plans to go to Spain. And when I go to Spain, I'm going to come through Rome and I'm going to visit you and I'm going to see you. And I'm going to spend some time there and teach and so forth. So here's what he says in verse 23. But now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to bring on my way therewith by you if first I be somewhat filled with your company and so forth. Uh, so he begins to talk about how that he was going to go there one day and wanted to. But he says, but first, now look at verse 25 with me. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia, which is Greece, to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 28, when therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, that is the gift of, of contributions that he had raised for them to give to the people in, in Jerusalem, I will come by you in Spain or come by you as I go to Spain. Now, let me just say this, and uh, this is all found in the book of Acts, but when Paul finally left there and he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem now, he knew that it was going to be a very treacherous situation. I, uh, I'm not going to go into details on it, but Paul had received a bounty. Uh, if you read First and Second Thessalonians, I'm sorry, First Second Corinthians, especially Second Corinthians, Paul talks about receiving an offering from the Corinthian church that he was now, he said, now I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to come by there, get your offerings ready because I'm going to take it to the people in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, why Jerusalem is where the church started. Jerusalem had a big church. They had, I know in history records about 25,000 church members in Jerusalem. But see, in the course of time, Paul going out in the Gentiles and he and Paul, he and Silas together and then he and Barnabas together and preaching and preaching and people getting saved, these churches growing and coming back into, the, in, into what we know today as northern Israel and then going back, he never went to Jerusalem anymore and a famine hit that area. And those people who had been so blessed and who had had so much, now were going through some hardships. Can I just say this, folks? You never know how the coins, when the coin's going to turn. You never know how things can flip. That's why we need to always be faithful to God. We need to always consider one another. You may help a friend today. He may help you tomorrow. You never know. I'm serious. Because God is the God of all things. Praise God. And so these saints... These, many of these, these Jewish people down there that were actually, they were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, but they were not too much about going, these Gentiles all getting saved because these Gentiles wasn't lining up to the law like they thought they should. They were uh, Pharisees and Sadducees who had come into Christianity. And some of them did not want to leave that Judaism 
that was there. They wanted to bring that along with them. And so they found fault with Paul. Paul had two people that was constantly bugging him in his ministry, and yet God was blessing him enormously. And those two classes of people was some of the Christian Jews, especially those in Jerusalem and in Judea and that southern part of Palestine, they were always carrying on about Paul not requiring these people to line up to the law of the Old Testament and do the works of the law. Then there were also the Jews who were unbelievers, and they were the worst kind because they hated Paul. Paul was one time one of them. He was the one, you know, that had papers in his hand from the priests, and they were going to go to Damascus, and he was going to jail a bunch of these Christians and, and so forth and, until the Lord appeared to him and struck him down, knocked him down off of his high horse, <laughs> you know, and blinded him. And he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. You know, you know the story. And then Paul was converted and became a Christian. Well, from that time on, these other Jews who were not Christians in, in Jerusalem and in Judea and that southern part of, of Palestine there, they hated Paul because he like he had turned on them, you know. And he was no longer a persecutor of the Christians. He was one of them. And they didn't like Paul. So when Paul was on his way now back to Jerusalem, he knew he was going into some very serious situations. You, and he even mentions it in one place. He was hoping that the Christian Jews would not say, these came, this, this offering came for the Gentiles? Forget it. I'd rather start enough than receive it from these Gentiles. You know, he's hope, and, and he said, hopefully that the saints will receive it. And they did. They did. Paul brought the offering there. They thanked Paul. They were very appreciative. And in their appreciation, in their appreciation and their need for what those Gentiles had sent them in offerings and their need for that, their appreciation for the Gentiles began to grow. And they would say, you know, God really is using these Gentiles uh, and, and God has made them Christians as well. And many of them, many of them changed their whole view. You never have, know how God is going to use a situation to bring about his will and his perfect plan for us in our walk with God. Praise God. So this was all going on at that time. And then when he got down to Rome, and I'll just fast forward here very quickly and move on into some other things. But when he got down into Rome, uh, down, got down into, uh, I'm sorry, into Jerusalem, uh, those Jews, when they found out he was there, they began to plot and uh, form a league, how they could capture him and this and that and so forth. And eventually they did do that. They captured him and he was put in prison, put in prison there in Caesarea uh, for a couple of years. And uh, they was kept there and so forth. And, and different governors would say, hey, we got a guy here named Paul that uh, we can't find anything he's done wrong, but the Jews said he's a bad guy and they bring him out. And he would say, look, all I've done is preach the gospel. This is why they hate me and so forth. And uh, finally, in the last resort, Paul finally said to them, him being a Roman citizen, a Roman citizen, he was from, Paul was from the city of uh, Tarsus, and way back there, the city of Tarsus, because they did something in behalf of Rome, the emperor of Rome made everybody in the city to be a Roman citizen if they wished to be. Of course, they wanted to be because they had special privileges. So Paul uh, he used to tell people, you know, how'd you get your citizenship? Did you buy it? 
that you have to buy. I was born free. That means I was one leg above you. Amen. I'm one leg up. Uh, so he was saying, I was born free. Amen. That means I was born free. It means he had an edge on them. And uh, so Paul was a Roman citizen. So he said to this governor, he said, I'm a Roman citizen. He said, I appeal unto Caesar. I have that right. And he wanted to go to Rome anyhow. And they said, all right. And that's where he got on that ship. And you know, the famous story about him sailing from there to Rome and so forth. And when he got to Rome, he met all these people that he talked about. Now, I'm going to move on a little bit further here because uh, this Romans here, the book of Romans is where he was wrapping up his discussion uh, with these people. And I want you to look with me in Romans 16. This is the last chapter. And uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what he had to say in in this 16th chapter. Paul, in wrapping up the book of Romans, and we're going back now to to Corinthians where he wrote the letter, you know, years before he ever went to Rome, where he's wrapping up this letter and he starts in verse three, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And from verse three on down uh, through verse 15, he talks about greeting and saluting. And I'm gonna save you the, save you all this, but all the way down through here, I mean, many verses, he says, greet so-and-so and salute so-and-so and so-and-so. He's my friend. He's been in prison with me. He was saved when I was. He's a near kinsman or he's a kinsman, meaning he was a Jew. And some, some were Jews, some were Gentiles, excuse me. <coughs> but Paul begins to do all this salutation, which meant to me, it means to all of us, that Paul knew a lot of those people in Rome. He knew them. He knew who they were. He knew their background. He knew all things about them. And he says, when you see them, tell them hello for me. You know, that's what we say. Tell them hello, you know, so-and-so. And if you've got a real close family, you say, you know, give them a hug or something like that, you know, if it's a family member. And he goes down through this. And in all here, uh, Paul sends salutations. That is, salute them, greet them, whatever. 27 names are made. He names 27 people in the 16th chapter. Right on down here. And then in some cases, he also speaks about uh, the others that are there. He says, uh, the households. He says in one place, uh, he says, salute Aristobulus. This is verse 10. Verse, uh, which are of, of, salute them which are of, of Aristobulus. Aristobulus's comma, household. In other words, the whole household. There's a whole bunch of them. And then down in verse 11, salute Herodian, my kinsman, greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. The household, two places as household, 27 peoples by name, and then twice he mentions about the household of certain individuals. And then down in verse 15, it says salute uh, Philogus and Julia and Nerus and his sister and Olympias and all the saints which are with them, all the saints. So what I'm trying to say here to you is that Paul just knew about a lot of these people. Excuse me. (coughs) He was uh, very much in touch with these people and knew of them, knew their names and said, you know, when you greet them, tell them hello for me and salute them and so forth. And he talks about these people in this kind of a way. Now, 
before Paul finally signs off, and the last thing he does down in the very end of the chapter, I won't, I'll come back, to, I'll, I'll finish the other part in just a moment. But he said, when he comes out, he talks about who is saluting the Romans. He said, these people are with me and they tell you hello. They're saying hello. And he names them and everything. This is verses 21 down to verse 23. And there's eight of them that he names here. These people are with me right now. And they're all saying, you know, greet you, salute you, tell you hello, so and so and so and so. We're all here together and we're just saying we love you. And one day, you know, we hope to see all of you and be with you and so forth, things like that. Now, I want you to look at verse 17 with me. Before Paul finishes up the book of Romans, he says this in verse 17, and he warns them of those who would lead them astray. Folks, I want you to listen to me in this. Because we have the greatest thing in the world. I'm telling you, we have the best thing in the world. Uh, when I read the, the epistles especially, and I read the love that those apostles had for those people, and I read about the love they had one for another, and yet I read about all the persecution they went through and the suffering they went through. And I mean mean stuff, mean stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've been preaching now for some, what, I don't know, 60 years, something like that. I think I started, I think I preached my first revival at 21 years old and everything. Yeah, it's been 60 years. All right, 60, 78, <laughs> maybe one. Yeah. So I've been, I've been preaching now for about 60 years, you know. And I preached my first revival this past July, I guess, 61 years, 60, 60 years ago. So what I'm trying to say here is that along the way in preaching the word of God and everything like that, you, uh, you, develop, you develop a real love for people. And you, you want to see everybody get saved. And you see individuals come to the Lord and get saved. And then sometimes you see them slip. And they take up with something. And they go off over here. And they go off over there. And you say, no, no, no. Uh, You've got to stay with the word, you know. The reason that I use a lot of scriptures in my teaching is because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I don't say this is the way it is. I say, this is the way it is because the Bible says it here, here, and here. You know, maybe I use two verses, maybe I use three, maybe I use three or four even to show the audience, you as the audience, that this is what God's word says so that you're not believing a man, but you're believing the word of God. Praise the Lord. And so Paul was saying here in these scriptures in this 16th chapter, he says, verse 17, now I beseech you, brethren, Mark them which cause divisions. Mark them. In other words, while you're loving each other and you're caring for each other, be careful about those who are destructive that come in among you as a people of God and they would create a division among you. And he said, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. I mean, that's you know, just stay away from them. He talks about that. And as long as the church exists, there will always be those who will always be trying to sow discord. And you and I, as the people of God, we have to be very mindful of that and say, no, 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 I stay with the word. I'm staying with the book. 
Praise the Lord. And you know, folks, we don't all, we, none of us understand everything about the book. We don't, we don't know it totally. If we did, I mean, we'd be a, probably a super genius or something because God is, is full of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Amen. And all those wonderful things come from the Lord. And we learn about the word through the spirit. The spirit is the light. The word is the bread. It's the bread. In the, the old tabernacle, that was, and you go inside the tabernacle, that was the loaves of bread that was there. On one side and the other side was the candlestick with the, the light on it. And they could see how to partake of the bread by the light that was there. I think I'm doing it backwards. Bread over here, light over here on the inside. Anyhow, I'm just saying here that in the church there has to be the light, there has to be the word of God. And the light is by the spirit of the Lord. And the spirit of God gives light. The preacher stands in the pulpit, he breaks the bread of life. You know, he teaches us the word. But the spirit of God takes that and applies it to our heart. And so we have to have that. And then somebody, you know, comes along and they'll say, oh, no, 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 it's not this way, it's not that way, it's this way, it's that way, that way. And there's all kinds of crazy doctrines out there. Everything, in 60 years, I've heard of just about everything you can imagine. I mean, you cannot imagine all the stuff that has floated around in all the denominations. I mean, you know, been in and out, and as Pentecostals as well. You know, they're not immune from it and everything. And so we have to say, God, help us to stay fast and true to the word of God, to believe with all of our heart and walk with you with all of us with it. Let me read a couple of verses of scripture to you. One of them is, the, I'm, 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 I'm taking off from this word here where he says, uh, mark them which cause divisions among you. And I want you to look at, if you, if you would, for a moment over here to Proverbs, Pro, Proverbs chapter six. Look what the Lord says in Proverbs here, writing, through Solomon back then, uh, 16, chapter 6, verse 16, 616 of Proverbs. I'm going to read down through about three verses. These six things doth the Lord hate. Now, it's, it, the Lord doesn't say these are six things that I, I don't like very much. He didn't say that. He said, I hate them. Okay. And here's what he says. Yea, seven are an abomination unto me. He says, a proud look, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. Notice he talks about speaking lies twice here. False witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's the seventh one. And so he says in this verse 16, these six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Is that all seven things or is that the seventh one? <laughs> Whichever, it makes it real bad on that last one. Soweth discord among the brethren. Anybody that sows discord. As far as I know, there's none of that in this church. I mean, you know, we don't have, the God's given us good harmony and so forth. And so I'm not trying to talk about any situation here. You know that. But I am just trying to say always, always say, no, I stay with the book. I stay with the word. You'll always be safe and sound in the Lord. I'm going to give you another verse of scripture because the Bible speaks about those very much so. Look, in, uh, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3 for a moment. Uh, this is where Paul is writing to Timothy. And 2 Timothy is just before... He was to go to his own execution. 
This was the last epistle he wrote. He was in prison. And Paul was writing this to Timothy. Verse 3, 7. Ever learning, talking about those who would bring division. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, meaning they once knew God, but they went back on God. Reprobate concerning the faith. So he says, just remember these people don't, you know, don't, uh, and just the same thing he says in Rome over here. He says, uh, he talks about them over there. He says, don't even give them part of the time of the day. Uh, what's, the, what's the last words he said? Anyhow, he says, they, they're, not interested in your, your, they're not interested in your behalf. So he says over here then in Thessalonians, in 2 Timothy, now as Jambres, uh, Janus and Jambres. You know who Janus and Jambres were? You know who they were? It's not found in your Bible. The names are here, but most people, it doesn't tell us who they were. But Jewish history tells us who they were. Josephus tells us who they were. Do you remember when Moses, and this is talking about Moses, they said he withstood Moses. You remember whenever Moses uh, was at the, out in the wilderness and the Lord said, Moses, you know, you got that rod in your hand. And he said, yeah. He said, throw it down. He threw it down and it turned into a, a snake. And he says, oh, oh, my God. And the Lord said, now pick it up. And he very gingerly, you know, picked it up by the tail, I'm sure. And it turned back into a rod. And, uh, and so he said, well, thank goodness. It's, you know, he told him to put his hand in his bosom and so forth. The Lord was letting Moses know I can change things to bring forth my will. Okay. So he said, now take the rod, you and Aaron, and you go in there and you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Whenever they went in there and said, the Lord said, let my people go, in order to show Pharaoh they had power with God, they took that rod and they threw it down and turned into a serpent. Well, these men that were witchcraft people, two of them were Jews. Two of them were Jews. They were Jews who knew the truth, but they had gone back on God and they had begun to play along with the courts of Pharaoh and they had become magicians in his courts. And they were Jambres and Janus, these two men that's mentioned here in 2 Timothy in the 8th verse in 3.18. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. And so these two men says, oh, we can do that. And they threw down their rods and they turned into serpents. Don't ask me how that happened. I know how Moses did, but I don't know how theirs did. Unless it's just a pure old power of the devil. And the Bible says that it was actually Aaron's rod, not Moses' rod. At that time it was Aaron's rod. And it said that the rod ate up the other snakes. That, their snake ate up the others. And then it, and then it turned back into a rod. And, there's all, and that was it. Well, these guys all backed up a little bit and said, well, then Moses said to Pharaoh, he says, now, I'm going to show you something else. God wants you to let the people of Israel go. So he went out, and they went out by the, by the uh, river, and uh, they smote the river, and it turned to blood. Turned to blood with that rod. They smote the river and turned to blood. And the Bible says that Janus and Jambres said, we can do that. And they smote the river, and the blood came from, the, from their waters. And everything. I can show you in the Bible over there. It's, it's right there in big letters. And uh, over here in Exodus. And so they did that. Uh, 
I, I won't, I won't, I don't want to go into detail on, on it here, but uh, anyhow, they, they performed the same thing. This is uh, Exodus chapter 7 and 8. Uh, and uh, some of you are looking at me a little strange, that's why I'm looking at it. But anyhow, and then in the eighth chapter of Exodus, then they brought forth frogs. This is what Moses and Aaron did to show the power of God. They brought forth frogs. And uh, so they said, we can do that. They brought forth frogs. They were withstanding Moses by saying, we got the same power. Making Pharaoh said, we're not going to listen to you. We got the same magic that you got, you know. And these were Hebrew guys. They had betrayed their own people. They were gone back on the Lord. And this is a terrible thing, but, that's, but it refers to that. And this is what Paul talks about when he talked to 2 Timothy. <clears throat> now, the third time, look at this one. This is very interesting. I'm looking here at uh, 8.17. It says, and they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand and his rod and smoked the dust of the earth. And it became lice in man and in the beast. And all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Look at verse 18. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. Everything else had worked okay. But they could not. This is where it stopped. They could only do so much and then that was the end of it. So there were lice upon the man of bees. And verse 19 says, Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. We can't deal with this. We can't deal with it anymore. Folks, the power of God is greater than anything that Satan will ever have in this world. I'm telling you, it is. And this is what the scriptures were showing us there. And so if you ever wonder who these people were, that's who they were. They were, they were hypocrites that had betrayed the Jewish people, that made their own lives easy and good for themselves and, and so forth. And they had withstood Moses. And Paul referred to them and said, they were bad guys. They were bad news. And there will be bad news guys along the way all the time anyhow. Just always remember, stay with the book. Praise the Lord. Stay with the faith. Stay with truth. And God will never fail us. He'll always keep his hand on us. And he is always faithful. I'm going to read one of the verses of scripture over here in 2 Peter. I see my time is just about gone here. Chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Now, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So I just want to tell you here today, folks, amen, stay with the faith, stay with the truth, stay with the gospel. It is the best thing in the world. Don't let Satan ever take away what you have in your heart and in your soul. How do we keep that? We keep that through prayer and devotion. Go to church every time the church doors are open. I know sometimes it's a situation we can't. Even this morning, there are saints of ours who are ill. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Edwards, he's, he's had a leg operation, knee operation, ankle operation, Eddie did. Ankle operation. And, uh, and I know he'd like to be here today. And he's a lot like him. And I know there's times and situations you can't be here. But every chance you get, every time you can, be in the house of God. And when you come to church, worship the Lord. Worship him. 
Amen. Don't come to church to relax. Don't come to, to the Word to be entertained, you know. We have the, one of the best choirs in the, in the whole country, the whole world. And we have musicians up here that they're unmatched. And we have all of this, everything. It's easy for us to say just be entertained with it. But let's worship God in the midst of that environment to worship God. And then we will worship God and praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you what, it puts the devil to flight. There's nothing that puts the devil to flight like praising God. Hallelujah. And this morning in our morning service, amen, let us make this a time and an hour of worship and praise and glorifying God. Leave all of the stuff that at home is at home. If you, if you left some dirty dishes in the sink, don't worry about it. It'll be there when you get back, ladies. Amen. Or men, whatever. It'll be there when you get back, praise God. I'm just saying here, while we're in church, let's worship the Lord. Amen. And uh, God is so good. He's so very good to his people. I thank God for the privilege to be here to worship the Lord, glorify his name. Would you stand with me together? Let's lift our hands and let's praise him. Let's thank him for all things. Amen. Would you worship God with me right now? Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord. You're so good. Thank you for your love for your people. Thank you for your love that you have expressed through the apostles to us. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful gift of life. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed all of your people in a marvelous way. Bless this morning's service, God. Give us your presence, power, your spirit, your blessings, your glory, your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.